Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast. Welcome to episode seven of Winning Time, our review of Winning Time, the story of the early 80s Los Angeles Lakers. And my main man, Casey Hall, is back in the saddle this week. Mr. Hall, does it feel good to be back? You put in the paperwork with personnel. You got your paid days off. Was it worth the trip? It was a good trip. It was good to get away for a little while. Gotcha. So Nashville uh, was the destination, a little uh, uh, a getaway for you and and Mrs. Hall. I won't use her first name in public airwaves to protect her anonymity. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> uh, but uh, Nashville is kind of the new hit place to go. Uh, give us your your thirty second TripAdvisor synopsis of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, if you like like listening to music and bar hopping, it's the place to go. Um, take your wallet, and it is <laughs> the next. It is the uh, Nash Vegas, as they call it. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. And, and uh, just a lot of touristy trap stuff there? Or? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You can walk around. I mean, you can walk up and down Broadway, the main street there, and just listen to music all day. And it's not just country. They play anything and everything. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's Vegas without casinos. Okay. All right. Well, I would like that because I like Vegas, but I'm not a gambler. Like, I've been, yeah. I've been to Vegas... I don't know, three or four times, and yeah. I have probably contributed a total of one hundred dollars uh, to the state of Nevada through the slot machines or the gaming system. Right um, now, I've contributed money in other ways, but I have not contributed much in the gaming system. So, yeah, uh, that sounds interesting. Actually, yeah, it, was a, it was a good trip. Very nice, very nice. Well, we booked our summer vacation. Uh, just yesterday, we had all the kids home, and we were talking everything through, and we were working through dates, and we got our summer vacation booked. So, and uh, I'm gonna have to. But between that and college tuition, I'm gonna have to sell a lot of plasma over the next year or two to pay these bills here, buddy. So, probably haven't done that since you were in college. <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> no, no comment. So, well, uh, your boss, Mark Kruber, filled uh, filled in. Uh, tremendously. Uh, Kruger did a great job. Uh, we had a good episode. Hope you got a chance to listen to it. Uh, maybe on the flight there, on the flight back. Or, uh, but uh, uh, we, we had a good time. Uh, we didn't have, in my opinion, we didn't have a great episode to review. Uh, it was probably my least favorite episode. Uh, but I liked tonight's episode. Uh, episode 7, The Invisible Man, uh, was the nickname of this episode, and we finally get the uh, introduction of one Larry Joe Bird, and I don't want to give away too much of my review, but I loved it. I loved the Larry Bird stuff with the episode. So, um, what what were your overall impressions of tonight's episode, Mister Hall? I thought it was a good episode as well. Um, like I said, I got I did get a chance to watch last week's episode. Um, it was very slow, um, wasn't the greatest um, at all. Um, but this week I thought was good. There was a lot of a lot of different parts I thought of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was really good the, the way they introduced or brought Larry Bird in um, and then kind of the 
tough times that Paul Westhead was going through as a coach as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, the pace of this episode was, I thought, really, really well done. They didn't dwell on much uh, in the sense of they, they hit a lot of different things, but there was a good pace through it. We, 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 we've talked about uh, the hangers-on. We've talked about uh, the storyline with Dr. Buss's mom. Uh, and we, we dropped the memorial, uh, the, the, the Casey Hall, okay, let's move on from Mrs. Bus, uh, line last week. Um, we went through that. Uh, but I, I thought the pace was really good. Uh, I thought it was a great Jerry West episode as well. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that here a little bit. I, I liked a lot of the retro stuff. Um, flying coach for a road trip, although I have a nitpick with that as well uh but uh the flying coach and mark landsberger is sitting next to some uh elderly woman in in uh, coach while he's uh while he's driving or they're flying out to indianapolis uh for the road trip uh but overall i thought it was a really well done episode i like the pace to it uh we hit a lot of different topics a lot of different things uh, a lot of different stuff, but we didn't get stuck on anything like the program has gotten stuck on some topics before, I thought. Yeah, it did have great pace. It it didn't leave you wondering what was going to happen. It kind of got to the point and then went to the next storyline and then went to the next storyline all in the same episode, which is good. But they never left a storyline too it long. It didn't leave it short. Like, yeah, it wasn't like quick snip. Like, it was... Give you about a five minute snip, tell you then, come back and do tell you more of it and go from there. So it was it was all nice and put in a circle, I guess you could say. Yep. Yep. So uh I like some of the retro stuff here. Uh very first basketball scene, we got Moses Malone running into Paul Westhead on the side uh, on the sideline. I like that. Old Houston Rockets jerseys there. Uh, we had the most hated man in basketball at the time, Rick Barry, with the underhanded free throw uh, there early on in the episode. Do you think, so his son, Cannon, mm-hmm. played college basketball at Florida, I believe. That's where he yep. graduated from anyway. Yep. Do you think he was the actor that did that? Because in college, he shot free throws underhanded. That's a good question. We would have to check. Um, we would have to check the... Um, let's check the Google machine. Uh, I mean, they've probably got anybody. They probably just found some extra. If anybody could do it, they could do it. But I just wondered, like, if they said, hey, Rick, would your son be willing to do this? Well, they they shot it from behind. They shot the back of his his head. um, And he had the bad Rick uh, Barry uh, toupee on. Uh, Right. Yeah. And so that uh, I don't see anything on a quick Google search here with that. So um, I, I don't see anything that it was him. But I know what you're saying. I know he played at Florida. I know he shot his free throws underhanded, just yeah. like his dad did. Uh, and he shot it at a ninety percent clip. And also, yeah, I noticed was- I noticed on that clip. So they're playing the Rockets. They had Moses Malone. They had Rick Barry, and and then behind him there. He, uh, it was Calvin Murphy. And so between Calvin Murphy and Rick Barry, 
probably the two best free throw shooters ever to be on the same team because both of those guys ended their careers, I think, above 90% from the free throw line. That's my basketball digest stat of the night uh, for, for that there. So, um, you know, that was that was interesting to see those two guys on the same team together as well. So, um, all right, should we uh, should we jump into our categories here and kind of dissect the episode, take some deep dives and and go through some stuff here, sir? Yep, sounds good. All right, let's start where we usually start at. Best scene of the episode, uh, Casey. I'll let you lead with that. Just some of your some of the scenes that you really liked. I had a pretty good list. I thought there was some great. This was probably to me the funniest episode that we've had so far. There was some great lines in this, um, and uh, I, yeah, I thought there was a lot of great scenes in this, a lot of great lines. So, what were some of your favorite scenes? Um, let's see, uh, kind of the I, I kind of like the start of it with Jerry Buss talking about the bird, the board game stuff, and mm-hmm. um, how is. Him and his mom always played board games, and that kind of got intertangled into where he and um, McKinney played Monopoly mm-hmm. in the hotel room, or not the hotel room, host, hospital room. Yep. Um, I, li- I liked I liked how that kind of all went full circle and playing games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the um, Kareem and Irving Johnson Sr. sitting down at the table. Yep, that was high um, on my list talking talking life really mm-hmm. more than anything else just talking how they both have been through a lot in their life um i like that one um the press conference with magic and larry mm-hmm. um weren't a ton of words said by larry but uh, <laughs> uh, uh but i just the persona of larry bird um compared to magic mm-hmm. um I, I just liked how they how they showed that um, and then the final one I got listed. Well, I guess I got two more. Um, the one in the hotel with, um, Westhead and Riley, um, kind of getting ads for each other, trying to make a game plan. And then Riley pretty much just telling Westhead to toughen up. Mm-hmm. And then my final one was, uh, Kareem and magic talking in the locker room before the game. Yeah. Uh, just the insight that Kareem had for Magic and telling him, "Hey, you need to just be the tougher man and get after the, get out there and play." Yeah, yeah. So those were those were my five or six right there that I thought were really good up good good scenes. Uh, I agree with all of those except for one. I won't tell you which one it is at this point, but we'll talk right. about it here a little bit. Uh, I liked uh, some of my favorites um, or uh, Magic. And it was just a quick little scene for 20 seconds. Uh, Magic watching Bird on TV. Um, You know, and they kind of did the whole thing in the TV thing where, like, the TV broke the fourth wall a couple of times where, you know, Bird was talking to Magic and I'm going to kick your butt and stuff. And and the other one with Cookie in the dorm. You know, well, Cookie, you know, why is Cookie going to see, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, But I like, you know, those two guys... They didn't. They didn't admit it publicly, and it wasn't until mm-hmm. after they retired that they both admitted that they kept an eye on each other every game, every season to see what the other guy was doing. And I really like that. There, um, 
I liked uh, we, nice Norm Nixon episode uh, this week, uh, telling us the story about Boston and kind of the history of Boston sports and Boston racism when it comes to sports. They talked about the the very very true story of Bill Russell getting his house ransacked and trashed, and he literally had a person defecate on his bed in his house. Um, and uh, Norm Nixon talking about the leprechaun and how the leprechaun haunted uh, the Lakers throughout their entire existence, essentially. Um, that was another another good one I liked there. Uh, I, I really like the Kareem, like you said, I really like the Kareem Irvin Johnson Sr. discussion at the kitchen table. Um, it, was, it seemed very natural uh, for both of them to kind of team up and kind of talk about magic and, and they both have a little bit of a different perspective on magic and his personality and what he brings to the table and Kareem kind of gives his word to Irvin senior that he's going to keep an eye on him now that he has a little bit better understanding of who Irvin Johnson uh, was Irvin Johnson jr uh, was <clears throat> uh, I, I really like that um, and then I thought, uh, the last, I don't know, I, I didn't have a stopwatch, but the last 15, 15, 16, 17 minutes from the point where they landed in Boston and they had the, the welcome to Boston uh, uh, treatment uh, as, as they're going through the, I mean, that would never happen today where the LA Lakers right. would be walking through Logan International Airport and have everybody, you know, saying and doing what they were doing there. Um uh, you go that norm. Uh, they go into the old Boston Garden. Uh, they go to the Prescotts, and they don't even put Larry Bird's name on the on the uh, uh, the graphics. It just says, "You know my blanking name." Right. Uh, I I laughed my tail off when that popped up. And then, like you said, the press conference, Kareem and Magic in the locker room, the whole Boston game sequence. Uh, Johnny Most, Chick Hearn, loved it, loved it, loved it from that point forward. That was that was the highlight of the entire series so far for me. Like they could have they could have made that last fifteen minutes. They could have made that the whole episode. Yeah. Like and showed the game almost in full. Like it had a little more reaction from, um, like Doctor Bus and Cook up in this crowd. Like and Red sitting on the sideline. You could have thrown in. Just little things from them, and they could have made the whole episode about that, just that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought I thought so too. I mean, it was just it was just really good. It was great to you know see the rivalry come to life. Uh, I, I I think it might have been a little bit better if there had been a little bit more Bird and Johnson stuff before this, just sprinkled it in a little bit, just to kind yes. of gear it up a little bit more. Uh, we but, could have cut out a lot of things about scenes with his, with his Dr. Jerry Buss's mom and added stuff in with yes. Larry Bird or something. Yes, because that's the story of the 80s. That's the story of the 80s All in right. the NBA basketball until essentially Michael Jordan and the bad boys come along. But from, from 1980 through 1986 or 7, and probably 19... Well, let's see. Probably. 87 was the last time they played each other in the finals because then yeah, 88, yeah. the Pistons came in. Yeah. Uh, but so essentially from 80 to 87, and you had that, that Sixers team in there in 83. But other than that, it was, it was 
Lakers and Celtics. And yeah. and for you know to wait six and a half episodes to see Larry Bird again is you know that's 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 I I, I don't understand that storytelling process of it. But I I'm I'm just a history teacher and basketball coach. You know that's just me. Yeah, but, I, I I totally understand what you're getting. I guess they're trying to tell a story of the Lakers. And not of Magic and Larry, so I guess that's the only point, thing I can think of. But there needed to be a little more storyline. I mean, everyone knows the storyline, but show it on your show if you want to get better reviews. Yeah, you know, but you're you're not gonna have Batman without the villain. And I'm not saying Larry Bird was right. a villain, you know, or anything like that. But his his adversary, his 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 other side. Uh, you, you don't have an Avengers movie without some sort of counterpart that that they're going against you know yeah um and, and so they waited that long and, and i don't know that again we don't get paid to do that type of stuff we're not hollywood uh creators uh but that's just that's just us so um your favorite episode or i'm sorry your favorite episode best your favorite scene of the episode um what was what was it for you if you had to pick one uh, my favorite was Kareem and uh, Irving Johnson Sr. talking at the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, I just liked them telling. It was almost like they knew each other and they were seeing each other for the first time in like years. Yes. Because they both been through so much growing up mm-hmm. from different aspects of the United States, like where... Irving Sr. is from Mississippi, and Kareem went through changing his religion and everything based on what he dealt with at home. And I, I mean, like, it was almost like they were best friends seeing each other for the first time in 10 years and just, like, having a general conversation that they have every day. Yeah, and the their understanding of racism in America, yep. uh, they, they pulled out the uh, "Strange Fruit," which is an yeah. old song from the '30s, and the I, I can't remember exactly when it was originally recorded, but it had to deal with the the hanging of African Americans in all over the country, uh, mainly in the South, uh, yeah. especially pre Civil Rights Movement, and uh, it, it was it was a coded song, and and that's exactly what it meant, and. Um, you know, so here's these two men who kind of understood the overall, and they had, in their own ways, Kareem in his own way, Irvin Sr. in his own way, fought all of these fights so that Irvin could just be Irvin. And, and Irvin had his things, like he referred to it. He got bust in Lansing to a yeah. different school than he wanted to go to. Uh, there was a lot of racial issues in the mid-70s in his high school. Uh, if you read the e- either that book or the uh, the Jackie McMullen book, When the Game Was Ours, he talks about that, about how he tried to bring the black kids and the white kids out of his high school together, and he was a leader in that regard. So it wasn't like Irvin Johnson didn't face that stuff, but obviously his father and Kareem had, had, had just a different worldview, and it wasn't that magic wasn't as naive. He just wasn't as preoccupied with those things. Yeah. And I, I think they were both trying to, and you could see it in their conversation. They're bo- they were both trying to figure out magic. Yes, like from each of their own point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how my son was. This is how I see him in L.A. now. Like, how do I mesh 
like Kareem kind of turned into being like right there. It showed that he was, he wanted to be the father figure for magic at that early time in his young age. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. That was my favorite individual scene. Now, again, I loved the last, whatever it was, 15, 16, 17 minutes strung together, the whole yeah. Boston sequence from the time they landed all the way through to the end of the game. Uh, but I really liked uh, that individually. If I had to pick one scene, that was my favorite scene as well. A um, couple of my uh, favorite lines here. Um, you know, Jerry West with another classic. Uh, they're they're talking about uh, Paul Westhead. You know, you can't teach a pig to paint. Uh, I, I, I thought that was funny. Um, uh, Spencer Haywood complaining about his role in the press. Uh, you can ask the nutty professor over there uh, <laughs> about my role. Uh, all the uh, again, we it's a PG thirteen program, uh, but the the welcome to Boston insults uh, that they received as they were going through the airport uh, were were pretty funny stuff. Uh, you know, so I I uh, you know a lot of really really good scenes here. So, uh, all right, let's move on here. Let's go to the worst scene of the episode. I have one, two, I've got two big ones. Um, I've got two big ones. And then one other thing to talk about here in the, in the worst part of it. Um, my two nominees for the worst scene of the episode, number one was Jerry West sneaking onto the plane or not sneaking a bar- uh, you know, kind of, you know, just, like a bull in a china shop, on getting there. onto the getting onto the yeah. plane. Uh, you know, Pat Riley telling Magic Johnson, "Yeah, the first road trip of the year." It's like, okay, it's Christmas, and you're saying it's the first road trip of the year. Uh, yeah. Nope, that's and you're warning him about groupies two and a half months into the season. Uh, you know, really, really inaccurate. That's that's a big nitpick for me. Uh, you said it was one of your favorite scenes. Um, it was actually for me. Uh, it was a great scene. Until we started like doing therapy in the shower between Riley and Westhead, I did not like that part. Casey, I love you. Uh, I would do about anything for you, uh, but I'm not going to chuck you into a shower and give you a pep talk and 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 have cold water come on top of you. And to me, that was kind of a Hollywood cliche thing. I I I did not like that part of that scene. I like, I liked everything up, but, but when they did that, that kind of ruined everything that they had done in that scene after that. So, uh, they kind of fell off the cliff for me, but those were my two worst scenes of the episode. How about you? Um, some of the cookie stuff was dragging on. Um, I know they got to get that storyline in there and how everything intertwines with magic, but I'm kind of, Let's get to the point with it and move on from it. We know they get married. They stay together through everything. We understand that. Um, but I'm just kind of over the... Them... I don't know. They're not fighting over each other. The struggles of them trying to make a relationship. And then it turns into Magic having some other woman in his hotel room every every other time. All right. So let's address those things separately. Um, okay. Let's let's talk about that, you know, kind of the whole cookie and magic thing is it's the the I can't live with or without you, you know, you two thing, you know, yeah. um, you know, they don't they're not together, but they don't want the other one. And it sounds like both of them. They don't want the other one to be with anybody else 
but they don't want to commit to one another either. So it's just kind of messed up. I don't want to say messed up. I shouldn't say that. That's that's wrong. That's wrong. Irvin and Cookie, if you ever listen to this, I apologize for that last statement. Uh, it, it seems like they made it a little bit more complicated than they needed to make it for one another. And 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 I don't know if that the director and producers are doing that or if that's how it truly happened. It, it's kind. It's kind. I mean, obviously, neither one of us were there for it, but they were on and off throughout the eighties, and and right. she was always a presence, but obviously he was interested in many other women other than her. But he could. But she was like the true love that he always had, and she obviously had feelings for him. And she couldn't let that go, but it, it's it's true. It, it is true that they had this can't live with or without you type of thing going on throughout their early throughout their twenties, essentially. Right. So that part of it is true. Okay. Yeah. Um. Last week, I brought this up to Coach Kruger. Um. My our discussion on are we sure Magic Johnson was a good person um, discussion, and we just kind of had another uh, example of Magic Johnson kind of not a good person. Uh, he's got and again kind of tying in with Cookie. He's in this hotel room. He telling her, you know, you're my girl. And that's why this and that, and they start making out in the doorway, and then the bus calls, and she leaves, and then boom, another woman walks out of the shower, uh, or out of the bathroom, and he's kind of like, oh yeah, that was just a teammate. Uh, was it not it? Was it not Cookie's roommate? Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I guess I didn't pick up on that. Was I was it? trying. I I couldn't tell. I don't think it was. I, didn't know. Okay. I, I could be wrong. I could be a Ronda. I don't know, I'd have to go back. I have to go back and check it out to see, but I couldn't tell. I wasn't really. I was tired of that scene right there. I was done with whatever was going on, so I was kind of not paying attention to that scene. But I glanced up and I was like, "Oh, is that is is that her old? Is that her roommate or friend or whatever?" And I and I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on Kruger's and I discussion on was Magic Johnson a good person? I think yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was so oblivious to what what life was outside of Lansing mm-hmm. that it's like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. Everything's right there. Well, I'm going to try that. 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 It doesn't matter if it's women. It doesn't matter if it's cars. It doesn't matter if it's going out. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try it. Um, I think... I think in the 80s, you didn't have, well, if, of course, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have social media, you didn't have all those things that we have now. So I think he could get away with it more. Oh, good point. Then, than you could now. Yeah. Uh, and there's still, I mean, plenty of professional athletes or higher ups that do enough dumb things to get in trouble. Yes. But, and then probably, could be considered the same way magic was in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I think he had his time where I think it was more when he's on the floor, an outstanding or when at basketball related things. He was a great person, mm-hmm. but I think outside of that, he didn't know who he was, and that's where it turned into making be a bad person, I guess, or make the wrong decisions. Yeah, uh, you know, I just kind of look at it from the thing of you know, either. You know, and kind of, you know, a lot of it, a lot of that comes down to Cookie, and either let Cookie go, or and 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 do your thing. And if you, if that's what you want to do, do your thing, but don't keep stringing her along. And and he kind of wanted the best of both worlds. Well, and that's the thing; like they were both egging each other on both sides because they both talked to each other every night on the phone. Yes. So, I mean, one, she shouldn't answer the phone. Two. If he's wanting to do his thing, then quit quit calling her all the time. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I was on that. Uh, any other worse worst scenes? Um, not that I can think of now after we got mm-hmm. on that topic. I had two, and I can't remember what the other one was. Okay. Okay. Well, if you think of it, let me know. Um, so... Let's move on to the next category here. How about that? Um, right. Grade the basketball realism. What would you have for a grade for the basketball realism for this episode from beginning to end? Um, I mean, we only had clips and pieces at the beginning, but I would say the end was really was pretty good. I would say I'd give it a – I'm going to give it a high B, low A. I thought it was pretty good um, in general – on floor stuff, but then also like the coaching aspect of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly what I had. I had a B plus. Had a B plus for it. Uh, I liked uh, a lot of the retro details. Like I said, Moses, uh, all the guys from the Rockets in the Rockets game that they showed at the beginning of the episode. Uh, I appreciated the Dave Cowens sighting number eighteen. Dave Cowens, a little Chris Ford number forty two. Um, I believe there was a Nate Tiny Archibald number seven out there. I think I saw. Uh, I think I saw a Cornbread Maxwell out there, number thirty-one. I enjoyed the uh, dueling radio personalities of Johnny Most yeah. and Chick Hearn. I thought that was very, very entertaining. Uh, what do you think of that? Now, do you think? And now I couldn't tell if it was a split screen or not. In the eighties, did they sit like, like it showed, like the way they showed it? They were sitting next to each other during the game. I, yeah, I think there was a little space in between them, but I think they're down there on Radio Row together. Do you think that was the same way back when edit, or do you think they would be separated like they are now? Well, I'm sure it was like that in the '80s. Okay, yeah. I just wondered. I, I couldn't tell if it was a split screen or if it was like them sitting kind of next to each other and they kind of eyeball each other after a call or somebody said something. Yeah, yeah, I, I I'm sure that was. Hollywoodized to a degree, but the dueling personalities, Chick Hearn, kind of the smooth L.A. guy, uh, Johnny Most, you know, sounds like he just smoked four packs of Marlboros and and had a half dozen scotches and, oh, just, you know, and, and you know, both of them distinct, uh, both of them voices that we grew up with, um, you know, not necessarily listening to the, to their, to their, uh, 
radio casts or anything like that. But just you knew you knew those were. It's kind of like Harry Carey with the Cubs. Even if you weren't a Cubs fan, you knew that Harry Carey was associated with the Chicago Cubs, and you knew that yeah. Chick Hearn was with the Lakers. You knew Johnny Most was with the Celtics. That's what I mean by that. You know. Yep. Yep. I, I know what you're saying. Yep. Um, highlight of the basketball realism on the floor for this episode: Larry Bird talking trash. What a maestro! Not quite a Josh Siski maestro. And there's only seven people that get that joke, but I don't care. But what a maestro on the floor, talking trash, calling out his spots. I'm going to hit this shot here. Here's what I'm going to do. Boom, boom, boom. Just brilliant. Yeah, I, I love the when they brought the double team and he goes, I'm a fake right. I'm a fake left, go right. and Take one dribble, hit a fadeaway baseline shot, nothing but net. And I'm like. And then they're both just staring him down after he does it. Mm-hmm. It's like that's just that's just awesome. Well, and in the pregame, uh, they're talking about you know some of the you know a lot of the guys. And again, it, this is pre-internet, this is pre-national tell all this other stuff. You know, there are a bunch of guys that just ah, he can't jump, he can't do this, he can't do that, and he goes out and does what Larry Bird does. And and in so many ways, you know, Magic was not a great athlete either. You know, right? You know, they're just mirror images. Of, of one another uh, in the way that they played the game. And, um, you know, it's just that stereotypes of, of that type of stuff. Um, but that was the highlight for me of watching the, the basketball realism on the floor was I, I thought they did a pretty good job with that. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. So um, so we're, we're pretty lockstep right there. Um, who made the most out of the 80s? And survived award for this week. Drum roll, please. I had uh, I had Kruger go first last week, so I'm going to go first this week. Um, I had Paul Westhead, and I think uh, Westhead kind of steals this episode a little bit. Now, again, kind of Hollywoodized, um, you know, because you know it's just the way it is it's a it's a television show and so they're going to over dramatize and and exaggerate things but uh you know i'm going to for me you know that's mine the the stress of coaching the stress he was going through uh and we've all been there we've been up and down you and i have been there for numerous times we know what it's like um and it it is extremely extremely difficult and so for this week, he gets my award for who mo- made the most out of the 80s and survived award because eventually he's going to be an NBA champion. And eventually he's going to go on to Loyola Marymount and do what he does. Uh, but it had to come at a price, and the price was him having to grow into the job of being a head coach and really knowing how to run a team. Yep, yep. I, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I have a trio. Okay. For it. Um, Jerry Buss. Jerry West and Mr. Cook just trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do. Gotcha. Uh, in in the whole aspect of the Lakers, like the money situation, do we have a coach? Do we not have a coach? Jerry West trying to wee himself into everything after he <laughs> wanted out. Great point. Great point. I love it. After he after he goes, I want out. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to find a coach and hopping on the plane, like I still like. I think it. I was wondering when I saw that happen when he hopped on the plane. Like, okay, is he doing this himself, or was he told to get on the plane? Mm-hmm. 
you know, like, and then it, I mean, it, it showed later on the episode that it was, he was told to go get on the plane. But, um, I thought those three just kind of trying to survive the eighties, mm-hmm. try to, trying to keep the Lakers, trying to keep a job, trying to figure out if you're going to make the Lakers good or yeah, go down in flames. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, by the way, uh, all you know, Jerry West is, has he, he's been a popular topic on our pod. Um, another great Jerry West sequence in the limousine watching the game. Oh man! Oh, terrific stuff. That would be like um, getting kicked out of a game and having to go sit in the locker room and have to. Well, not all of our games are broadcast or on radio, and just sit there and stress about like what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and not being able to see it for yourself. Yep. Yeah. Uh, great stuff there. Great stuff. Um, all right. Coaching points or concepts that you're going to steal from this episode. Uh, I got three big things, but I'll let you lead off, sir. Um, my biggest one was I, I just liked how uh, Paul West had finally realized um, himself. Um, you got to have someone help out. He found someone that understood what he was trying to do, got someone to help him out. Um, you can't rely on. And I think, I think all coaches beginning or end of their career, middle of their career, they're kind of like, Oh, I can do this. I don't need to pawn it off on somebody else, but it wears on you. And you mm-hmm. can tell that Paul Westhead was wearing down a little bit during that, uh, three week stretch. Um, that was my big thing. I, I think that's just not for me personally, but I think for coaches in general, it's just mm-hmm. lean on someone to help. Don't try to do it all yourself. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had some stuff, you know, related to that. Uh, you, you know, just fighting through a losing streak, fighting through self doubt, fighting through adversity for your team. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. And especially, uh, the first time that you go through it or when you have a team that has certain expectations um, and you have a rough patch, which inevitably pretty much every team has. Uh, right before we were recording here tonight, I was listening or I was watching the halftime of the uh, Suns-Pelicans game. And they said the Suns are the only team in the NBA this year that their longest losing streak all season was two games. So the Suns went, you know, of of all these great teams in the NBA, every one of those teams, except for the Phoenix Suns, had at one point at least one three-game losing streak throughout the season. And and just fighting away through that adversity, finding that way through that self-doubt, coming together as a team, like you said, I think you made a great point about hiring a really good assistant coach that balances you out. I also thought, you know, sometimes... You know, I don't. I don't like uh, myself chirping at officials a lot, and there might be some officials that would laugh at that statement because they probably said, "Oh yeah, whatever, Plum. You know, you chirp way too much, or whatever." But sometimes you got to take a stand for your team. And in the Boston game, you know, Riley and and Westhead both took a stand for their team because they were getting you know homered in the Garden, uh, like Norm Nixon warned them that they would. Um, and sometimes you just you just have to go, and you've got to you've got to fight for your team. And let them know that, hey, I'm fighting for you. This is the reason why I got after that official is because I felt like you were getting the wrong end of things. And, 
I'm not going to let you uh, be treated that way. I'm going to make sure that I'm going to get everything out of this game that I can for you as much as I can. So that's another thing I took from it as well. Yeah, I agree. I, that's one thing I I liked as well. Like being, you got to fight for your team no matter what if you're winning or losing. Like you can't let them see that you're emotionally defeated. Yes. Uh, you've got to continue to battle for them from the tip to the very last whistle, no matter what. And I think, um, I think that's key for anybody because just like the kids hate losing and coaches hate losing just as, just as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but so you've got to continue to battle for them because they're battling on the floor for you. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Overall grade for this episode. Uh, I gave last week a D minus. I I was greatly disappointed in last week's episode. Uh, I am as as disappointed as I was in last week's episode. I thought this was one of the better ones, might be the best one so far, at, at least in the same ballpark as episodes four and five. Uh, I really like this. I gave it an A minus. Um, and, and darn near close to an A. If you, if you gave it an A, I would not look at you and say you're wrong. Uh, I, great dialogue, uh, great humor. Uh, overall, the focus was on the Lakers and the team itself. They had some on the off-the-court stuff, but I thought they balanced it out really well between Magic's business interests and Dr. Day. And, you know, we talked about the scene with Kareem and, and Irvin Sr., uh, the cookie stuff. And, and then, like I said, it ended with a that last, whatever it was, those, those last 15 to 20 minutes with the Boston sequence. Once they landed, uh, I thought that was really, really entertaining television. So I give this a really strong A-. And if, if they did a little extra credit, I'd have no problem giving them an A on their report card. Uh, yeah, I, I, thought I, it was, I thought it was really good. I, yeah, I gave him an A minus, and I pretty much ditto everything you said. Like I thought it was um, very well said, kept my interest. Nothing was too dragged out to make it make a, have a wandering eye or anything. Um, and like you said, the last fifteen twenty minutes, however it was, was extremely well done from everything that happened in Boston onward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that made it. And like I said earlier in the, this episode, like you could make that whole game one ever of Magic and Larry in the NBA. You could make that a whole episode. Yes. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I, I think it was uh, some of the best stuff that the series has done so far. I, I think if you were to take, like I said, that, that, that last 20 minutes or so uh, was probably the best 20-minute stretch of the entire series uh, for me so far as as we've as we've gone through this, so uh, we are in agreement. Again, great minds think alike, Mister Hall. Uh, good, gr- really, really good episode. We both really enjoyed it. So, yeah. anything to add? Anything to wrap it up here for this week? No, I mean we only got three episodes left. Hopefully, they kind of continue to go the way this episode went and continue to keep climaxing to the very last one well i'm excited i it looks like we will get an appearance of my pre-jordan favorite player of the 80s the doctor julius irving uh, it looks like he's going to be coming out here next week so it should be really good and i don't know if you know this or not but uh this 
uh, if you're on board, this will not be our only uh, season of this because the show got renewed for a second season already. So the story will continue as we move forward. So we have three uh, episodes left to go this season, but it looks like there's going to be a second season of Winning Time as well. So uh, I don't know if you had heard that or not yet. I, I had not. I had, I had not heard that. So that's that's I, I, that's excellent. Yeah. So the story will continue. I have a feeling uh, where we're going to end up this this particular season will be at the end of the season with the with the 80s NBA Finals, and it's all going to be wrapped up in a bow, and Buss is going to be able to meet his financial commitments with the bank, the Great Western Bank, and all of that stuff. I, I think that's where they're going to tie the bow at, so to speak, uh, at the end of Season 1 here, and then we'll see what happens as we move forward from there. So, all right, Mr. Hall, anything else to add? Nope. Awesome. I'm, I'm good. All right, well, uh, great job. Great to have you back on. Uh, Kruger was a great pinch hitter last week, but it's, it's always good to have my main running mate here with me on, on this podcast, our review of winning time episode seven, the invisible man. Hope you folks enjoyed it. Uh, we've got a great interview dropping tomorrow morning. This is dropping Monday morning. We got a great interview dropping Tuesday morning, and we got a bunch of new stuff coming out with a pen and a napkin this week. So folks stay tuned to that as well. So coaches, as always, let's be sure to own our craft one day at a time.